Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space is sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her holiday companion, Philip Gilfus. <laughs> Did you have a very good Christmas, Tarly? I had a pretty good Christmas. We were plague-ridden, of course, but uh, other than that, it was very nice to spend our very first Christmas together. It's our very first married Christmas. Yes. And we uh, didn't necessarily get anything Doctor Who related. I did get some Star Trek glasses, but that's not Doctor Who related. <laughs> well done, darling. And of course, we're getting ready for our trip to uh, England. Yes, on Friday. Yes, and so that will be something to look forward to. Very much so. We hope everyone had a lovely Christmas and have something to look forward to in 2018. We finally made it to this year's Doctor Who Christmas special featuring the regeneration of Peter Capaldi's 12th Doctor. We also meet the first Doctor struggling with his first regeneration and have an adventure full of memories, callbacks, flashbacks, and the introduction of Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor. Right, and we uh, see the conversation has already begun on our uh, Facebook page, which if you want to join the discussion, we are at www.facebook.com slash the nerd party and we got two comments on this episode one was from trey womack who said i loved it it was amazing it had its ups and downs which in my opinion makes a great show if you can combine them properly he said he loved david bradley as the original doctor who's and he said he looks and acts like him so much it's like seeing a ghost and he enjoyed seeing the original tardis and thought it was really good and then we had a comment from Elizabeth Warren, and we're very pleased to hear from our senators. <laughs> uh, and she said, I've seen it twice and loved it. The captain's link to the brigadier was perfect and a great callback to earlier doctors. The use of the Christmas armistice turned my tears into sobs. It was such a heartbreaking moment in history. David Bradley is wonderful as Hartnell's doctor, and Whitaker's appearance fills me with hope for the next incarnation. Now, uh, we're, of course, going to go see this in the movie theater tomorrow night. I think there's going to be some extras, um, but we'll obviously talk about that in our next episode. Um, and watching it on BBC America, there was a little bit of a coda um, in our viewing. Yes, yes, we got to see a little bit of time um, about Peter Capaldi's exit um, from the first table read all the way through to the last scene he shot, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> but let's start off talking about the first doctor um we have david bradley uh i don't know if we would say it reprising the role <laughs> um well yeah to an extent because of course he played it in the the film an adventure in space and time yes. where he played bill hartnell now he's playing the actual first doctor which i think is hilarious um but i think it was very interesting how they handled it they begin with a sort of a flashback to the Tenth Planet, which we talked about in a prior episode. Um, how did you like the literal transition 
from Bill, well, we'll, we'll use in-universe names, from the black and white doctor to the colorized doctor. Oh, is that what he's called now? The black and white doctor? <laughs> I really loved it. I thought it was beautifully done. Um, having just recently seen that episode anyway and seen that it's sort of spotty, all of the filming's not there. You have some sort of freeze frames that you can go on. Um, yeah, one thing that is on my wish list, and maybe I'll look for it when we're in England, is that there is an animated, quote-unquote, restoration of the Tenth Planet. And so I, I want to get that DVD just so I can see what the actual animation looks like instead of sort of the what we watched earlier with sort of the lost footage of just using stills and audio. Yes, um, but I thought the, the transitions were really smooth. I, I'm pretty sure I clapped a few times uh, <laughs> watching it here in the living room. Um, alarming the cat, possibly. Possibly alarming the cat. Uh, so, yeah, I really, really liked the way they did it and sort of bringing it all in together. I, and I later on, they do sort of the bits and pieces from different perspectives so they, you know, we've already seen from Peter Capaldi's perspective when the first Doctor first makes his entrance, and now we see it from the first Doctor's perspective, which it, I thought was interesting filmmaking. Yeah, because they also did it from the Captain's perspective later on, and I thought that was watching, and I, and I hate to always make Star Trek references, but it, um, there's a... Do a, you <laughs> really hate to make Star Trek references? But it, there's a Star Trek The Next Generation episode called... called cause and effect which is when they're in a time loop so they're literally doing the same you know 10 minutes four times in the same episode which as a director you know can be you have to film in a different way to make it interesting and so this when they're doing it so purposeful to sort of emphasize different character perspectives and time i mean I, I liked it but it was just an interesting choice i mean i know you're more stage director than than tv director but what do you sort of think of that focusing on perspective so much in time and well experience. and I, yeah I, th I think that that was a really great choice for all all of the moments mm -hmm. um and made it particularly with the captain coming through and sort of coming in as a third party if you know mm -hmm. because you've got the the doctor in two different forms and then the captain coming upon that I just I I thought it was lovely. And then I, I like how we really sort of well get a done. we get a retcon of the first doctor's regeneration, you know, because of in the tenth planet there's no glowing hand, um, but here in this sort of colorized version with a a new Ben and Polly, you sort of have a glowing first doctor when Polly's like you know oh what's going on or something. We sort of have this retcon of the doctor facing regeneration and wandering in the the South Pole and. And trying to fight it. So what did you think of sort of the first Doctor's struggle? That he was afraid, I guess, of regeneration his first time. Yes. And, and I think that that's reasonable. We obviously don't see it in the original um, episode. But um, I liked it as an idea. And I liked the circuity of the whole thing. Um, the idea that he was frightened of it. The Twelfth Doctor is frightened of it. And so I liked the idea of it coming around full circle. And I was perfectly okay suspending my disbelief and telling myself that his hand did glow in the black and white episode. You just couldn't tell 
because it was in black and white. That, so uh, that works for that's me. what I went with. Yeah. But I also wondered when he when there was a sort of brilliant moment and you know, I always don't want to do too much fan service, but I do like a little wallowing in the canon and continuity when we get the memory version of all the doctors when they're when she I'll say she when she is showing the first doctor what's to come and all those bubbles of all the doctors and all their adventures and you know except for the jokes of course they left that out yes but that if that would scare the first doctor even more like maybe he you know because it's you know the doctor of war he's like you know that's and the reference the continual reference of him as the doctor of war um which of course was purposeful to take us to the the armistice day um during world war one but um yeah i can see why that would be terrifying the suggestion of continual war for the next what capaldi says 1500 years i think something like that i think there's an interesting contrast that with the first doctor he's not the lonely god that we know now he's not the epic warrior he's not the protector of Earth, right? There's even that line. It's protected. He's like, who? What? You know? Yes. Yeah. He's, you know, he's just the simple, quote unquote, simple Time Lord who who escaped um, Gallifrey, and and we get a little more meaning of why did he escape? Good versus evil. And what was he looking for? What was he running to? I think is what Bill Potts asks. Um, not just what was he running away from. And an interesting exploration that. He wanted to see why, what is it, I guess, why good wins when it really shouldn't or, you know, yes, what's out there. Yeah, and, when, it, when it requires so much more effort, mm-hmm. why it wins, yeah. And, and I just love the, the playing of David Bradley as the first Doctor because there's so many things. Of course, he's already had this experience under his belt, but, but in a way, the, what we got from the first Doctor in the 60s is his personality, like, in sort of the acting style of back then, which is, you know, different than nowadays. But he just makes it, that's the character. The character is very stilted in the way he talks, and very formal, and very, And may or may not threaten to spank his companion (laughs) on the bottom. We're having a conversation about that later. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, oh, I think David Bradley was wonderful. I just, I just love him. But, of course, I've loved him. I loved him in Broadchurch, and... I'm just glad he's alive again. <laughs> Hashtag spoilers. Yes, my first note was, oh, doctor a bit sexist. Then my second note was, oh, doctor's a lot sexist. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I think maybe it's more, maybe it's funnier now. And, and that sounds like a terrible thing to say, but in the current climate we're in, um, for him to say those things, which absolutely would have been said during that time period, and then for the twelfth Doctor to be like, "No, you've got to stop saying things like that. <laughs> you can't. That's so inappropriate." And that sort of recognition of both things—that it was a thing that happened back then, and it's a thing that's not appropriate. Because I think the thing I sort of, in my mind, and I don't know if everyone else does this. That even though the first Doctor, Bill Hartnell, but the first Doctor and David Bradley, I guess now, look, or there's an appearance of older, you know, older, older gentleman, it's really a young Time Lord. And so it's almost like a teenager. Yes. And how they would be, you know, whereas opposed to Peter Capaldi as the old man, the old old Time Lord. And, And so 
that's sort of my in my head when I look at the doctors throughout time. You know, even though um, the first doctor is this sort of old codger, he's you got to remember he's the young, he's the first, he's a young time lord in the grand scheme of things. So that's how I sort of retcon his, you know, perhaps not great aspects to him. He's still learning. Yes, I think that that's fair. Yeah, uh, I, I can give him a little leeway. <laughs> but I, you know, his final decision of of encompassing his fear. And allowing himself to regenerate. And I thought it was really interesting. Because I don't think they had to do it. But then to show the actual First Doctor regeneration. Yes. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a nice moment. Yeah, and they didn't muck about with it. You know, they didn't change. It's just what it was. And I think that that's, that was the simplicity of that. Without trying to add special effects to that moment. Yeah, I was a bit was scared really nice. that they were going to do that for yeah. a second. But then they transitioned to the black and white. And the Patrick Tr- Troughton coming along as the second Doctor. Yeah, I thought that was that was beautifully done once again. Now for the actual story. I was going to say it's not much of one. That's not necessarily a critique. I think... There's a mystery and, you know, some adventure and escaping and all that. But then we sort of learn, as the the 12th Doctor says, oh, there's not an evil plan. I I don't know what to do when there's not an evil plan. Yeah, and I really actually quite liked that, particularly having just gone back and gone through all of the, you know, the most recent regenerations in the last episode. I liked the fact that this wasn't all about the, the fighting, and the the battles and things like that. We got that with the spaceship, with the sock monkeys. Oh, yeah, the Cybermen. Yes, with the Cybermen. So we've had that moment, Mm -hmm. and this was actually quieter, and it was more of a man-versus-self kind of episode. (laughs) Right. And that apparently, and again... I've always found with Doctor Who plots, if you look too closely, they tend to fall apart. So don't look too closely. But apparently by the two Doctors refusing to regenerate, it created this sort of time thing. Timey-wimey Yeah, thing thing that caused the Captain to come out of his time, I guess. Because it wasn't necessarily the villain that was doing it. The quote-unquote villain. Not really a villain, but the glass lady. Right, yeah. the, the, The glass lady was pulling the Captain out to record his memories right before death. Mm Mm-hmm. And the doctors mucked it up, as mm-hmm. they are sometimes wont to do. Because I was a little scared, because we've sort of already done the death, the you know, the, the collection of the dead plotline with um, the Twelfth Doctor and Missy, you know, where she's been collecting mm-hmm. all the dead people and turning them all into Cybermen eventually, apparently. And so I was like, oh, no, here we go again. But I did like that it's basically this very future, very, very, very future Earth person who just... This, found the technology to to capture memories as testimony. And for a second, I thought that maybe they're collecting testimony about the Doctor to find out who the Doctor is, sort of a history. You know, the, the, Basically, it's the future Doctor's Wikipedia entry that they're trying to, to create. <laughs> yes. Because you have Bill and technically Clara. I mean, they, everyone, but that's who, who shows up. So, And um, Matt Lucas. Nardal. Nardal, thank you. And so, I, you know, there's not really a... Much of a, a story again. That's not a critique, but it's more of just you know they get escaped, they are captured, they escape, they learn more, and it's really just more like you said. This well, we get the sort of the good the, the good quote unquote Dalek from the earlier episode of the Twelfth Doctor, which is an interesting callback. Rusty, I believe, was his name. Um, yes, yeah, I was trying to remember it. 
So that was sort of an interesting way for him to look up the database, an excuse to go over there and face a little zoom, zoom, zap, zaps. Yes, and I quite liked that the, the Dalek also uh, rips his weapon off and throws it at the doctor, which I think is a, <laughs> is a nice moment. First time I've ever had a Dalek undress for me, or whatever yeah, it was. Yes. Um, and then we had the good captain. Um, from World War One. Yes. And it was interesting that he sort of said what we all thought. You know, about three-fourths of the way, he's like, I have this feeling I'm just going to get sent back and killed. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's pretty much what we all are thinking, you know. Yes. And yeah. And sort of a very, you know, he, he's he's sort of the third person that is facing death. They're, everyone's facing death. All the two doctors are facing death, and the captain's sort of facing death, and he's sort of accepting it well but he has that lovely moment that i really appreciated where he was saying that he was accepting of his death in the moment that he was in and understood it and was good with it but then now that he's been yanked out of it He's not okay with it. You yeah. know, he's sort of gotten out of the zone, if you will. And I thought, well, literally. Literally, <laughs> yeah. I wrote down it was hope makes one frightened. Yes. And so that was sort of the, you know, yeah, in the moment, you know, if you're going to die, you're going to die. But, you know, once you know you're not, and then maybe you will, it's sort of, he's like, I hope that doesn't make me sound like a coward or whatever. Also very, very British, that captain, all very stiff upper lip. And yes, yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it, but yeah, I guess. Well, you know, the whole sort of, um, and old school, of course, but sort of, you know, a son's duty is to get over his father's death and all that. Yeah, and I, I suppose also because I still see him as Mycroft, <laughs> I, I, I was expecting that stiff upper lip kind of attitude from him, which is probably not fair. And then... We sort of learned the captain's lineage at the end. Yes. That was very surprising. I mean, when they were starting to talk near the end there about, I don't know, saving the captain or whatever, and, you know, maybe I sort of sense like, oh, maybe he has some important part in history or whatever. And then when they ask his name and you get Lethridge Stewart, I'm like, oh, the brigadier. Yes. And see, for me, because, and I don't know why, but as soon as he appeared, I assumed he had something to do with the Brigadier. And maybe it's just because the Brigadier's the only other soldier that I relate to Doctor <laughs> Who. Um, but that was that was my first thought. I, I was not particularly surprised. And so this is sort of the third generation of Lethridge Stewart, because of course with... And it's Kate Stewart, played by Gemma Redgrave. So. I don't think I realized it was a Redgrave. It makes sense. But, uh, yeah, I don't think I realized that. Yeah, so for three generations. And so, I, again, I, a Doctor Who, I think, always, I always get a little worried when we go too much playing in the canon. Because sometimes you can mess it up if you start to go too deep into it and kind of make things not make sense that once made sense. Um, but I think it's a good callback, and it just wraps it all up. And, you know, it, it took me a second to figure out. I guess the Doctor said that he'd actually changed the time of the German and, and the British captain of when he... Put them back in time yes, to yeah, make it to slightly. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I have sort of mixed feelings about that scene. It's always a story that chokes me up. I think it's such a beautiful historical event. And so I certainly don't mind seeing it again. And I guess 
I wasn't a hundred percent sure how well it fits. Although I appreciate the whole Doctor of War all the way throughout, and he sort of proves that he's the Doctor of War with the emphasis on the Doctor part rather than the emphasis on war. This sort of healing persona in the midst of conflict. Right. And with it being a, you know, there has to be some always Christmas time with a Christmas special. Yes. Um, yeah. And so that was sort of the Christmas time. So instead of Santa Claus, we got World War One. <laughs> and But I thought it was very interesting. I mean, of course, it's real life, but that they make the point, it, you know, the first time or the only time it's ever happened in the history of war ever before or after where there was just this moment of peace on this holiday or any holiday, but it happened to be Christmas this time. And so. And maybe that's the the important thing, not that it necessarily fits seamlessly, but that we all need to be reminded of that instance as often as possible. That even in the middle of war, you know, because I, I love the, the sort of the, the, the conflict between the captain and, and the German because they can't understand each other. And each is, well, at least according to the captain, each is maybe just afraid of the other person that doesn't necessarily want to kill the other person, but, you know, I'll shoot in self-defense and you're going to shoot in self-defense, but if you think I'm going to, you know, and that sort of whole dilemma that the captain has with the German and, I don't know. All over a language barrier in that particular instance, yeah. Yes, war is hell. So, the Twelfth Doctor, this is his story of his struggle and to say goodbye. And I think one of the things that his last moments where he is giving himself notes to remember in the next regeneration uh, reminds us what's so great about Capaldi's doctor. I mean, nobody can give a speech like Peter Capaldi. He just nails it every time. Every time. I think he's had some of the very best Doctor Who speeches out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved this one. Be kind. Be kind. Yeah. Be I, nice when you can, but always be kind. It's just beautiful. And I did get, he really played very well the tired doctor. Mm. I mean, when he looked across the empty, empty battlefield and he's like, that's that's my life. That's what I live. And, and no one's left. They've all fallen. And I just want rest at last. And, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with that. You know, he's, he's an old guy at this point. Obviously, we want to see more adventures. But, you know, I think with the with the first Doctor, his his thing about being afraid, I understood that, um, you know, because it's the first time regeneration. It's a dodgy business, I suppose. Um, but this Doctor, you know, he's, he's done it a few times. And he's just, we, we often get with our time, you know, with the Doctor, the different regenerations. You know, I, I've lived too long or, you know, this is blah, blah. I guess after this story of... of you know, with his first incarnation and learning that fear. I don't know. What, what, what do you think the lesson is that the 12th Doctor finally gets him to convince him to, to go on one more time? The idea that if he doesn't, who will? That's right. The whole, why why are you here? The, the good versus evil of the first Doctor's mission. Absolutely. And good is always harder. And it needs a little help. And it needs a little help. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that it does take more effort to be good but maybe that's why good keeps winning. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that Doctor Who tries to do when they bring back another Doctor is to contrast and have similarities. So I did like the first Doctor with his monocle, 
which I, you know, it's one of these things. I'm not an expert on the first doctor, but I have seen it all. You know, he did have that, and then and so, and then of course we have the sunglasses <laughs> for the twelfth doctor. You know, inside, you know, and and but I like the contrast between the two of them because. You know, the 12th Doctor's using the Sonic, doing all these things, getting all the information, where the first Doctor's like, well, look at the face, you know, take off the sunglasses. And so, you know, they both still have it, and they both complement each other and, and all those things. Yeah. Yeah, they played well together as well, I think. And one thing I noticed with both with both Doctors, as they sort of had their time of dying and all that, was I really heard a lot of the past music. I heard the Ninth Doctor regeneration music. I heard... A little bit of the Tenth Doctor music, not uh, Valet Dacum, not that, not the actual one, but the other music of the regeneration and dying. And so I thought there was a lot of these collective things coming back to the Doctor's final moments. Yeah, like you said, I did like the, I did like the speech. The before, before I go, you know, <laughs> before the curtain draws, before the last thing, I have one last thing to say. And as you said, he encapsulated that well. Mm. And then before we talk about the last couple seconds, I guess we'll kind of squeeze in. Um, what would you, what did you like sort of about the coda that we saw in our viewing after the special is over, the sort of Peter Capaldi in review? I just, I think Peter Capaldi is just so lovely. I just now, <laughs> And he's a Doctor Who fan. You know, there's this old um, thing they keep pulling up, and I can't remember off the top of my head, where he wrote a Doctor Who fan letter when he was... Younger, and I forget which doctor would have been at that time, but and, you know when he was a kid, and they always bring this up and show it, you know, from young Peter Capaldi, you know, and so here he is, the doctor, and and sort of getting to to introduce yourself, introduce yourself as that at the table read, and and all those things. Yeah, I just think he's delightful. He will be, he will be sorely missed. I'm so excited about this new start. I'm so excited about Jodie Whittaker, but Peter Capaldi will be missed in a bittersweet way that I'm not sure I felt about Tennant and Smith, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. And I don't know why that is necessarily. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I've always been pretty open that I was not a fan of the of Capaldi's first season. And I don't, it's nothing against him as an actor or, or, or as his doctor. I just didn't think he had great stories. And we've talked before about our Dr. Clara um, frustration. The second series, I thought, w- held a lot of promise. And I don't know that 12th Doctor necessarily ever grabbed me, per se. I think he is great and wonderful. Like you said, good speeches. He's more introspective than perhaps the other Doctors, and that's not a good or a bad thing. But like you said, I think Peter did a great job. He is the Doctor, was the Doctor. I don't know if he's in my necessarily top five as 12, but a great job. And then, of course, in the last few seconds, we got a regeneration. Yes. What did you think of how they showed the the last seconds there of, of the 13th Doctor? I was a little frustrated because they for so long they didn't show her face. You know, I mean, they did a close-up on her eyes twice. I did like the ring falling off. I thought that was an interesting moment. I'm a little concerned about her because she's fallen out of the TARDIS. In space. Into space. And so. the TARDIS disappeared. And the TARDIS disappeared, so I don't know. I don't know how she's going to get out of this. I assume that uh, her time is now done. That's right. Then it's going to be um, the quick Fourteenth Doctor. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it's like the Pope. You know, you've got this <laughs> long-standing Doctor, and then a really short Doctor, and then a long. <laughs> so I assume that yeah, the Thirteenth Doctor is now dead. <laughs> well, I thought it was. You know, it's not like we don't know who it is. It was almost as if they were they were presented it like we didn't know it was Jodie Whittaker. Yes, and it was going to be a woman and they sort of like 
like you said, there was sort of a reflection and a close up of the eye and the hand. I'm like, look, I know it's a woman. I know it's Jodie Whittaker. You don't have to, <laughs> yeah. don't have to tease it. And then we look at one line from mm. her. You know, all the other doctors have sort of had this sort of interesting introduction. All we got from her was, I think, um, it's brilliant or something like that. Yes. Yeah. And then things blow up and I don't know. You know, I hate she doesn't look very good at the beginning with blowing up the TARDIS with the, with the and whole falling, falling out. out of it. Yeah. yeah, this is true. This is true. Of course, in her defense, the others didn't have a chance to destroy the TARDIS because they destroyed it during the regeneration. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think it's necessarily a black mark. I'm looking forward to seeing after such an introspective doctor, it'll be really interesting to see what this doctor's personality is you know are we going from the costume that we've seen so far it looks like it may be another sort of matt smith goofy fourth doctor maybe even yeah although i don't know if i want to swing the pendulum quite that far again Mm -hmm. at least not yet i don't know it'll be interesting to to see what what happens with it It is time now to go into the TARDIS library, and this time we're not going too very far backwards. We're going to talk very briefly about David Bradley as William Hartnell, the first Doctor, an adventure in space and time, which aired for the first time on the 21st of November, 2013. And a quick synopsis that I grabbed from IMDb was, An adventure in space and time is a a dramatization of the early years of Doctor Who, with the story revolving around BBC executive Sidney Newman, novice producer Verity Lambert, and actor William Hartnell. Now, as you said, this was when we saw David Bradley as Bill Hartnell. What did you think of how he portrayed the first actor to portray Doctor Who? Again, I think that I saw it before I'd actually seen anything with the first Doctor. So, for all intents and purposes, David Bradley is my first Doctor. (laughs) But I really enjoyed the film, and I thought that they were very even-handed with the way that they dealt with William Hartnell in terms of, you know, his exit and then his feelings about it and and what led to his exit and all of those things, I think it would have been easy to portray him potentially as sort of a, in a villain sort of way in terms of, you know, he got too big for his britches and then he was old and doddery and, you know, it was just time to move on. And I think that they gave him a lot of sympathy. Right. I, and reading different magazine and articles about um, actors currently living and even just past interviews who dealt with Bill Hartnell. They always sort of give a pause and like, well, you have to understand with Bill. You know, so I think even with, I think Bill was very much that, that David Bradley shows was almost very much the first doctor. You know, I, I think there's not a lot of actors that make themselves a doctor. I think Bill Hartnell is one. I think Tom Baker is another where the person is just the doctor you know, that's who they are. There's not a lot of line between the individual and the mm. the doctor they portray. But I think Bill Hartnell, the way David Bradley portrayed him in, the, in this sort of fictionalized version of nonfiction, was, you know, as a sort of a sort of a crotchety old man, even though he wasn't really old. I mean, that's 
I think that's always the thing we have to remember about Bill Hartnell. Is he looks very old. He's not that old, actually. Um, I believe he's like fifties. Oh wow! Yes, he just it just looked you know either that was the time and he just kind of looked older than what he was. Of course, he had a heart condition, I believe, so that probably didn't help. But anyway, that David portraying him as sort of this you know whatever, but that there are all these moments that he does that's sort of his gruff exterior. I mean, it's a very cliche, I suppose, the gruff exterior with a hard gold. But that it sort of is him. He's sort of very upfront. Says what's you know you know. And, <laughs> don't, don't say it. <laughs> I know. Well, but but I think they even show that sort of like what we get the first Doctor with his sort of sexist views, very much like Bill Hartnell, slightly racist as well. But you know would have these times of that he'd have these broad views, but one on one he would be fine because he you know as we've seen in Adventure Time and Space he had a. A uh, woman director, and he had a um, Indian. Yeah, I feel like that's right. I believe for Arab. I'm not sure. Um, I apologize for not remembering, but basically a minority producer on his show, and basically he may have said things that were inappropriate, broadly about women or broadly about you know people from the subcontinent. But one on one, you know, he now he probably was something ugly about like, oh, you're one of the good ones, which is not not great either. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, so again, we. Not saying to forgive him, but that's the way he was. But David Bradley sort of shows that. Yes, the good and the bad. And like I say, I felt like it was very even-handed. Mm-hmm. And the way he sort of showed that he was very gruff towards his granddaughter, but then they connected through being the doctor. And then the way that they showed that one time where the group of children recognized him as the doctor, and he sort of became the doctor. And again, he sort of encompassed himself in the role. And so... You sort of get that heartbreak of when he's told, you know, we can't do this anymore with you. And that sort of breaks his heart. Yeah. So what are we talking about next week? Next week, I think we're going to get into what we're going to expect from the 13th Doctor. Ah, So we only got a few seconds from Jodie Whittaker, but that won't stop us from speculating. But I've made my feelings very clear already. I'm not expecting her to survive this. Well, we'll we'll see how it goes. But we're going to talk about (laughs) the companions or friends that we know about, the different actors, which you may have more knowledge about than I do. Um, And then maybe we can guess about how that's going to work about. So we're going to indulge in a little bit of... 13th Doctor speculation. And if you want to let us know your thoughts about what to expect from the 13th Doctor and her new group of companions in this case, mm. you can contact us on Facebook, like I said, or even on, t- or contact us on Twitter where we're at Join Nerd Party. Um, and then you can sort of talk to us as well. Um, you can reach me. I'm at NC Public Servant as my Twitter handle. And for you, darling? You can reach me at One Phoenix Theater. Well, we hope everyone had a Merry Christmas special and we'll have a good. That's bad, baby. Don't. No, it's good. No, that was bad. You're not supporting me in front of people. I, I, I know, but that was just embarrassing. Just, just a Merry Christmas or a special Christmas, but Merry special. That just didn't. No. Everyone have a special merry, happy Christmas <sighs> and a happy, wonderful 2018. And you're the best person to spend 2018 in all of time and space, darling. Thank you, baby. <laughs>